0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 6, 9-15 called The Kingdom Prayer.
1: You guys here. We're going to be in the book of Matthew as we continue to move verse by verse through the book. The Kingdom Prayer. This is the famous what we know as the Lord's Prayer. So why don't you go ahead and uh in fact, you're you're not going to need your Bible at the moment because we're going to read it up on the screen. Why don't you stand if you're able to stand with us? There when you walk into a church like this, there's probably represented multiple versions of Bibles that you hold. The reason I want us to read this up on the screen is we're going to read from the same version. It's the New American Standard Bible, updated in 1995, the only truly inspired. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But this will keep us on the same page. Otherwise, we might be a little bit off with one another. All right. Now, before we do this, this is going to be our reading as we normally would do it and our opening prayer by the way, you don't have to pray always with your eyes closed. I don't know that there's a verse in the Bible that says close your eyes when you pray. And if you're driving, it's not a good thing to do anyway, <laughs> right? Which probably should be a lot of when we are praying is when we're driving. All right. So here's the text. We're going to read it out loud together. We'll read it kind of slow. I want you to try to make it a prayer as you read it. All right? So Jesus opens it with pray then in this way. Let's begin together. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful prayer that you gave through your son. It is a a wonderful prayer. It is something that's been prayed for 2,000 years now, and it's been prayed by the, the church around the world, starting right here in northern Israel and moving all over the globe. We're so grateful for the kingdom prayer that you gave us. I pray you'll give us understanding into what it means, how we can pray it effectively, and how we can glorify you in our prayer life. I pray that you'd bless the time we have in front of us, that you would direct it, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. The kingdom prayer. So, If you grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, as I did, uh, this became a very uh, familiar prayer to me. Uh, I mentioned to you last week that it became familiar because often I was given to pray it multiple times after I confessed what I'd been up to (laughs) in that week. And uh, if you have a Roman Catholic background, you will know that the priest would often, for the sake of absolution, give you perhaps what was called the Our Father. Our Father. And uh, of course, there's a beauty in the uh, recitation of the prayer and even in repeating the prayer. There's nothing wrong with repeating the prayer. Let me just say that uh, repetition is a key to learning and there are things that are repeated in our Bibles. One of the Psalms continues to say, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed the same thing three times. Father, if you are willing, let this cup pass from me. Paul prayed about the thorn in his flesh three times that the Lord would take it away. So repetition in and of itself is not a bad thing. What Jesus warned us about is meaningless repetition. And I mentioned to you last week that, well, if you have meaningful repetition, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus showed us how not to pray in verses five through eight. As we move through the Sermon on the Mount, we're moving through the book of Matthew. He said, six, five, when you pray... You're not to be like the hypocrites or the people who put on an act, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men or by people. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do or the unbelievers or pagans do for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then how to pray. This begs the question, if this is how we shouldn't pray, how should we pray? And Jesus answers that by saying, pray then in this way. And so this is another way that we seek first the kingdom of God. I mentioned to you when we opened the book of Matthew, we've called this overall the gospel of the kingdom and we are called to pursue the kingdom, pray the kingdom, pursue the kingdom, and preach the kingdom. This particular message is about how to pray the kingdom. What does our prayer life look like? What should be the trajectory of my prayers? Uh, How should I orient my heart in terms of the way that I pray. The disciples were watching Jesus pray, and Luke has a form of this prayer. You don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, it's in Luke chapter one. It came about while Jesus, I'm sorry, Luke 11, 1, while Jesus was praying, and he did often pray, in a certain place after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, Luke 11, 1, just as John also taught his disciples. And so it was Jesus's own prayer life that kind of sparked the question from one of the disciples and then Jesus went into what we know as the Lord's Prayer. This is technically not the Lord's Prayer you could say it's the disciples' prayer. I think it's best maybe called the kingdom prayer because it does include your kingdom come and then it has what's called a doxology at the end. We'll talk about whether or not that's an original doxology because some of you have it in brackets and it's not in some of the other uh, versions of the Bible. But it, it is a prayer for your kingdom come and then yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. The focus of the prayer is certainly on the kingdom of God. Some people have said you could call this the disciples' prayer because Jesus would never pray, forgive me my debts because he didn't have any debts to forgive. So, But he could have prayed other aspects of this prayer and there's no doubt that Jesus did pray. He often slipped away to pray. In fact, his own prayer life sparked the question from the disciples. You'll notice Jesus says in Matthew 6, 9, pray then in this way. If you have a New King James, it says in this manner therefore pray. In this manner does not mean praying only this words. It means to pray after this manner or in this way or in the following manner. People often reduce this prayer to empty recitation. We don't want to do that. We certainly don't want to repeat it just to repeat it because we're start trying to hit some mark that some man told us we got to do it this number of times but also there is evidence in church history for what's called liturgical prayers. And that is that prayers would be prayed by the corporate assembly, uh, maybe even every time they would gather. For example, if you think about the Jewish history, the Jewish roots of our faith, in Deuteronomy 6, the Jews had a prayer. We know it as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We know that the the blessing that we all enjoy, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord be gracious to you, make his face shine upon you and give you shalom, is a prayer that was prayed regularly in the synagogue. So reciting a prayer in a liturgical repetitious style is not a bad thing. Uh, France, in his commentary, says, Christian tradition has always found the words of this prayer suitable either for repetition or as a template for more extended prayer, or as a basis for thinking and teaching about prayer and its priorities, close quote. So France says you could repeat the prayer and it would be very meaningful to do so, or the prayer that Jesus gives could be a kind of a bullet point for our Western minds to keep us on track, to focus on God and his will and his name and then our needs and then probably in that order. So for example, if you were to pray our Father, you are in heaven, hallowed be your name. That might be a template where then you would say something like this, Lord, may I glorify you as I live this week or live this day. May you be sanctified in my heart as Lord. May I treat your name as holy. So you could kind of you know, springboard from the basic uh, you know, idea there or the principle that Jesus laid down. Either way, I think it's acceptable to God. There's nothing wrong with with repeating the prayer nothing wrong with the rich pattern of the prayer to be one that you would use in your life now the structure of the prayer i want to uh, outline for you because i know a lot of you enjoy seeing structure before we jump into a sermon so let me just say that the prayer starts with an address who who is it that we're praying to we'll get excuse me get to that in a minute and then there's three petitions about god and his kingdom And three petitions about us. So the address, three and three to God and about us. And then a final doxology, which kind of caps it off. That's where we're headed. Let's start with the address. The address is our father. You will see no singular pronouns ever in this prayer. This is a corporate prayer where it is directed towards a group of disciples or a group of citizens of the kingdom of God. This is not about my father, although he is my father, it is our father. It is a there's a corporate mindset to the prayer. And this is a good thing I think because we we find strength in the corporate setting. Our Father plural reflects the Aramaic Uh, vocative of Abba. So though the New Testament is written in Greek and the word for father in Greek is pater, P-A-T-E-R, by extension, that's where they get the idea of the Pope, by the way, what they would call, Catholics would call the Holy Father, pater. But here, Jesus
0: would have prayed
2: it, Abba.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: Hi, I'm Rob Newton, Program Director for the Walk in Truth program. This year has given Walk in Truth many reasons to be thankful. Walk in Truth has reached more listeners than ever before with seven radio stations throughout the country, including right here in Southern California. In addition, Pastor Michael's teachings are listened to by thousands of people around the world thanks to the podcast. This year has brought new blessings as well. Listeners can listen to Walk in Truth's daily episodes, watch videos, and read the Bible through the new Walk in Truth app. The app also allows for new possibilities we hope to launch next year. Stay tuned for that. I am also very happy to announce that thanks to recent giving by some members of Living Truth and Walk in Truth listeners, we now have the funds to broadcast in San Diego on KPR's 106.0. 0.1 FM and AM 1210. The Lord is moving, making his gospel known, and like many other living truth ministries, he's using the Walk in Truth program to do it. We are thankful for your partnership and for your prayers. We can't wait to see what the Lord does with the Walk in Truth program in 2024.
0: We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth.
1: A group of citizens of the kingdom of God. This is not about my father, although he is my father. It is our father. It is a there's a corporate mindset to the prayer. And this is a good thing, I think, because we we find strength in the corporate setting. Our father, plural, reflects the Aramaic. Uh, vocative of Abba. So though the New Testament is written in Greek and the word for father in Greek is pater, P-A-T-E-R, by extension, that's where they get the idea of the Pope, by the way, what they would call, Catholics would call the Holy Father, pater. But here, Jesus would have prayed it, Abba. Abba, if you look at the original Hebrew word for father is just simply two letters. It's an A, it's an ox head that is kind of turned that looks like our A, and it, and it points to the strong leader of a house, like strength of an ox, the strong leader. And then it's a B, it's the bait, so it's ob. Just think of A, B, going from right to left. And it would be the strong leader of the bait which is the house. So father in Hebrew means the strong leader of the house. If you walk out the word Abba, it really means the one who is my source, my leader. In fact, scholars would say that when you say Abba, father, you are saying you are my God. Just like David would say the Lord is my shepherd. You are saying you're my father, but you are our father collectively. We could pray that Perhaps if we were praying with our family or in a corporate church setting, that kind of thing. So the word "father" is "Abba," and I believe that it's just fine if you would want to address God as "Abba," because that is literally the Aramaic term, and that that's a little bit more of a familial kind of a, more, maybe a more of a, a close way to say. Uh, We might say it daddy. Maybe that's a little too loose for what the Hebrew is after here, the Aramaic. But it it is certainly a word of familial trust. Uh, We are God's beloved children, Ephesians 5.1. God so loved us, he gave his son. And so while we come to God in reverence, we come to God as our father, our Abba. Now I know for some of you sitting here, Your only connection to the idea of a father is gonna be your earthly father, most likely. And some of you have a really good experience with a father. For some of you, your dad's still here. Maybe you're sitting next to your father. And he's been a great example for you. He's been a provider. He loves you. He, uh, you know, sets an example for your family and all of that. And that's wonderful. And for those of us who have had that situation, it's pretty easy to address God as father, knowing we move from the lesser to the greater. Some of you have had a really bad experience with a father. I've told you guys before, my father left our family when I was four. I never saw him again. I found out that my dad died on the internet on one of those ancestry websites did talk to him on the phone one time in about three decades. So my idea of a father might be a little bit, you know, might be a little harder for me. But I think all of us, even if you had a negative experience with a father, we know what an ideal father would look like, right? We, we have a notion of it. Even if we had a bad experience, we, we intuitively know what it would look like to be right. So Jesus moving from the lesser to the greater says these words, look at Matthew seven eleven, just right ahead of us. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So when we address God as our father, he is our father collectively as the citizens of the kingdom. We are a family of God and we're in a privileged position because we've become children of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. John 1, 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. In fact, in Romans 8 and Galatians 4, Paul says these words. He says in Romans 8, God's not giving you the spirit of fear leading to slavery again, but he's given you the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Our spirit bears witness, or his spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we belong to God. So it is a very, very much a believer's mindset to call God Abba, to call God Father. It's a relational thing. We know him and he knows us. He is ours and we are his. We have been adopted into his family, purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so all New Testament prayer that I know of, save two exceptions, is always directed to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the normal mode of prayer. Now, I don't think it's wrong to pray directly to Jesus. Jesus is God, and no doubt Jesus hears our prayers. In two cases in the New Testament, Acts seven fifty nine, Stephen is dying. He's being martyred, hit with stones, and he says, Lord Jesus receive my spirit. That's a prayer to Jesus. And in Revelation 22, 20, at the very end of the book of Revelation, John says, come Lord Jesus, a prayer to Jesus. But outside of that, to my knowledge, there's no other prayer directed to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit. Now I've heard people pray to the Holy Spirit and I don't have a issue with that because we serve a triune God. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all part of the Godhead, the triune nature of God. However, the normal mode of prayer is still to pray to the Father in the name of the Son or through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: You've been listening to The Kingdom Prayer, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter six, verses nine through fifteen. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well,
1: as we study the kingdom prayer, the famous Lord's Prayer, we start off with our Father. And right there, you know, that can be a hard one for many, many people because often there are many who are fatherless. And so if a father is a picture of God Well, then how do I handle that if I didn't have a father or at least a father that was involved in my life? What if I had a really negative experience? What if he was untrustworthy or he bailed on the family? That's my story. So what do we do? Well, God is the father of the fatherless, Psalm 68, I think it's verse 5. He can minister to you in the fatherless days, just like when someone doesn't have a spouse, the Lord can be their spouse, as it were. And the Lord is our Father. So despite whether you had a great experience with a dad or a not-so-great one or something in between, God is our Father. And let's not forget who is in heaven. He's our Heavenly Father. Now, what does that mean? That means that He's above us. He's our Creator. He's the sustainer but at the same time, he wants us to think of him in familial terms. He's our father. He's your father. If you're a Christian, he's your father. And you know, when when it's right, when a father has a a wonderful relationship with a son or a daughter, well, that's beautiful. A trust relationship. You know, when we're little, we look up to a dad. All the, all the best is what we need to think of. And and you may need to overcome a negative experience, but we're, just remember. He's our Father who's in heaven. He's not like an earthly dad. All earthly dads will fall short. But our Heavenly Father is perfect, good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from Him. Do you know Him? Do you know the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ? You know, He so loved you, He sent His one and only Son. That's how much the Father loves you. John 3.16, the Father sent His Son to save You know, we're coming on the Christmas holiday here, and that's what the Christmas holiday is all about. Jesus was sent on a saving mission. From who? From the Father. To do what? To die for us, to rise for us, to fulfill the law for us. That's the gospel. And if you have never trusted Jesus, what a wonderful time of the year to trust Him, to get right with God through the work of the Son. You can just pause right now. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Father, thank you for sending your Son. I repent of my sin. Pray it if it's you. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior, my King, my God. Maybe you're a prodigal, and maybe you've been wayward. And this Christmas season, you just simply want to come home. You know, the Father is pictured in Luke 15, in the prodigal story, He Waits. And he watches. And when you decide to come, he's not looking to beat you up, my friend, my brother, my sister. He's looking to restore you, to throw a party, to rejoice. Come home. If you've been wayward, just tell him, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son or daughter, but you're so good. I know you'll call me that. Restore me. Teach me to follow you. Wherever you have been, whether you found yourself in the pig pen, whether you followed some people who have deconstructed their faith, so-called, whether you have found yourself at the end of yourself and have come to your senses even now. As you're as you're driving in your car, you can come to your senses. As you're sitting at home, as you're listening to a podcast, you can come to your senses and just come home. Come home to the Father through the Son. Hey, if we can help you in any way, or if you made a decision to follow Christ, reach out to us at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. You can send us a message through there. Let us know how to pray for you. Find out more about the ministry. This is Pastor Michael. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow.
0: We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. You got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 6, 9 through 15 called The Kingdom Prayer. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.